0: The title of this uh, sermon is Two Creations, Two Creations. Uh, Some of you uh, might have some friends who don't believe in God. They're atheists. And uh, sometimes we enter into discussions with, with such people and try to encourage them along. One of the most common criticisms used by atheists against Christians and it's, uh, it's one that we hear commonly, and a question we may even ask ourselves from time to time. But one of the most common criticisms by people who don't believe in God is, if there is an all-powerful, all-loving God, if he truly does exist, how can he allow so much suffering in the world? And you've got to admit, that's a good question. And that's a question that has been asked throughout history. What do you say to a person like that? How, how do you encourage them? Well, God gives us some help from his word. And when we read the Bible, we come to understand that w- what most people overlook is that Christianity is different from all the other religions of the world in different ways, but one particular way Christianity is a two-creation faith, as opposed to a one-creation faith. What do I mean by that? Most all religions of the world believe that the universe was created by God. That's the origin of things. And if you study world religions, you'll see that. Even ancient religions felt that it all began by God creating. And we believe that too. In fact, we know the scripture, very first scripture in the Bible, Genesis 1 verse 1. What does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, we're living in that creation right now, aren't we? We see all the beautiful plants and animals and every aspect of the world today is because of God and what he created. But the Bible teaches us that there will be a second creation, Revelation 21, verse 1. And again, I think most of us are familiar with the verse, Revelation 21, 1, where John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So there's, the time is coming when there's going to be a second creation, okay? We've all experienced God's first creation, but the second creation will be completely beyond what any of us are capable of thinking or imagining. It will be a radically different from God's first creation. We've grown accustomed to this one. We feel comfortable in this one. But the second creation is going to be so much better. And it's beyond our our capability to understand right now. Our human minds cannot foresee even though God gives us some hints. He says that we're looking through a glass darkly at the future. The Bible only gives us little hints here and there of what that new creation is going to be like. It's totally different. Remember it says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And that's talking about the new creation that will come in the future. None of us are going to be disappointed in the new creation. And God doesn't give us very much information about it because our human minds right now cannot imagine, could not understand what it's going to be like. It's going to be all good. So let's talk about these two creations, just in general terms. What was the purpose of the first creation that we still live in? Okay, why did God create this world, the Earth, and the whole universe? Well, God designed the Earth as a place for billions of humans to come to faith in his son, Jesus Christ. I think that's the, the first and foremost important reason for the first creation, a place where billions of humans are coming to faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And we're included in that group. We've come to faith in Jesus as our savior. Also, the first creation was brought into being as a place where evil will once and for all be eradicated. That hasn't happened yet. It's in the process of taking place, and it will finally, at some point in the future, evil will once and for all be eradicated from existence. Thirdly, the Earth and the whole universe, for that matter, is a place created by God where Christians learn to direct their free will to choose God's way. We all have a free will. God created us that way. We're created in God's image. What do we do with that free will? Well, we always haven't been wise with it. You know, too many times we've chosen through our free will to act selfishly and to act in rebellion against God. But we're changing, you see. God is teaching us, we're learning to redirect that free will of ours to choose God's way. Remember in the Garden of Eden, it started with Adam and Eve and they both had free wills and God gave them a choice. He said, you could either learn about the dangers of evil and sin from me, I'm going to teach you about it, or you can choose to learn about good and evil by your own experience. What what do you choose to do? And Adam and Eve chose to learn by their own personal experience. When they were tempted in the garden, they chose to disobey God, and they wanted to choose themselves what's right and wrong and how they're going to live. And we know the result of that. We're sharing in the result of that sin by the curse that has come on not only the earth, but on everybody who chooses to reject God and decide for themselves what's right and wrong. But we can't blame Adam and Eve, we've all done the same thing. (laughs) So we're all guilty of sin. And finally, fourthly, and there's a lot of reasons why God brought the first creation into existence. Here's a fourth one. He created the earth as a place where humans can learn about God's grace. So we're, we're totally involved in that now as Christians and as children of God. What about this, the second creation? What is the purpose of the second creation that is still in the future, that will happen? The second creation purpose is, it's a place where evil and suffering will never occur. Think about that. The second creation, the new creation is going to be a place where evil and suffering will never occur. There won't even be a tear shed, the Bible says. A second reason, a second purpose for the new creation, it's a place where God's children will always use their free will perfectly to express and experience God's love. Think of that. We're never going to make any mistakes in the new creation because we have been trained, and by the grace of God, we're always going to choose correctly. When God offers us a choice with the free will that we have, we're always going to choose God's way and perfectly express and experience God's love because of our choices. And thirdly, uh, the new creation is a place where God's children will experience new careers that he has trained us for. You ever think about that? That the new creation, you know, when our change comes and we're living in God's kingdom forever, God has work in store for us. We're not going to sit idly by. (laughs) We're talking about forever. You know, that new creation that God is going to bring about, He's going to continue to create on into eternity and we're going to be a part of it. In a sense, we're being trained right now for that future career in the kingdom of God. Sounds great. How do I make sure <laughs> that I'm in that new creation? I want to be a part of that. We can't even imagine what God has in store for us at that time, but we want to be a part of it. Well, how do we do that? I think most of us understand. We, we've made progress along those lines, okay? First of all, if a person wants to be part of that second creation, you've got to respond to the gospel by repenting, admitting that you're a sinner to God, accepting Jesus as your personal Savior, being baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit, and then you start a process of experiencing and testing and refining our faith. That's what God is doing with us right now. You know, we've talked about examples of people who are baptized and they, then they think, well, my work is done. <laughs> I can go back out in the world now because my salvation is assured. Well, that's not how God designed it. Repenting and accepting Jesus as your personal Savior and being baptized and receiving the Holy Spirit is just the beginning of what God has in store for you. So God right now, is in the process of guiding us along. He's testing us. He's guiding us through trials and other kind of tests to bring about an eternally secure relationship with him. We're growing in that relationship because we're going to live with God forever. So we're learning about him as we are right now. We pray to him, we we praise him, we sing to him throughout our entire lives. It's all about building that relationship and growing in relationship with God. So that's kind of it in an overview. You know, one time I heard a professor giving an analogy of students studying for a PhD degree. Now, I think we've all heard of a Ph.D. It's like the highest level of education that you can attain. It can take up to 12 years. You know, after elementary school, after high school, after college, after a master's degree, it could take upwards of 12 years of further study to finally attain a Ph.D. And that's about the highest that you can go in education. You're really smart, at least in a particular field, if you have a PhD. And this professor was explaining that with the many students that he taught on their way to attaining a PhD, he said one thing that he noticed was that they have to keep the goal of their career in mind if they're going to struggle through the PhD education. They had to keep the goal of their career. They knew what they wanted to be in life and they knew it was a long road and a hard road and the professor was intent on making it hard. When these people started on their journey or at least started in his classes, he told them, I'm gonna make life rough for you. I'm going to make you struggle, and I'm going to make you sweat, and you know, he did. He gave them an overabundance of material to study, books to read, uh, theses to write, uh, all sorts of things over the course of those years, and all that time, and all that effort. He purposely made it hard for them, and he said, you know what? The students who did the best were students who had a goal of what they wanted to do as a career and it seemed that they had the energy, they had the enthusiasm to undergo all that hard work. And he said, by comparison, there were others who did not keep the goal of their future career in mind, and they found all the studying, all the struggling, more than they could handle. And some of them quit, some of them gave up. And I think that there's a lesson for us to learn in that. As we go through this period of growth, of growing in our relationship with God, of learning more about God. God wants us to keep that vision of what our future is going to be like in that second creation if we're going to make it through this life. If we just, you know, focus on the struggles that we're going through, uh, feel sorry for ourselves, we start to doubt whether God truly exists. You know, we think personally, God, if you're really there, why is my life such a shambles? Why am I struggling so much? Why do I have all these problems? You know, once that person receives their PhD, Once all their study and struggle is over and they receive their PhD, they never again have to be tested for competency in that field that they studied. No no longer will they be tested, will they be questioned. Everybody will know that they have achieved that study and they have achieved that degree and they have that competency. Those who keep a clear vision of their future career are the most successful students. And I think we, as Christians, as we keep our eyes on the future and what God has planned for us, we will be successful and we will get through this life with greater growth, greater faith in God, greater dependency on God, and that's what God wants for us. So in this first creation that we're living in now, we're being trained for an unimaginably challenging, fulfilling, and rewarding career with God in the new creation. We don't know what he has in store for us, but he is investing a lot of time and effort in us, and through his grace, through his mercy, through the Holy Spirit, we are all growing in that direction. Notice what it says in Matthew 25. Matthew 25 and verse 23, something that Jesus said. Matthew 25 and verse 23, he gives the parable of the talents, but after the parable is is over, as it comes to a conclusion, notice the lesson to be learned from this parable. His master replied to this particular man who served him, Uh, taking care of the master's wealth. His master replied, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. "'You have been faithful with a few things. "'I will put you in charge of many things. "'Come and share your master's happiness.'" That's a sign from Jesus to us that if we are successful in being faithful in what God has blessed us with in this life, he has greater things in store for us in the future in this second creation, in his kingdom in the future. The life that we're living is not just for this period of time on this earth in the first creation, but it's leading up to greater things and much better things that God has in store for us that he is going to put us over to manage at that time. What will those things be? I don't know, but believe me, there are going to be things. There's one scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, where Paul says to the Corinthians, don't you know that you will judge angels? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know, but Paul said it. One of our responsibilities in the future, in that second creation, is at that time to have responsibility and perhaps authority over angels, the angels that God created. So what are God's plans for that future time? He's got plans. He's going to continue to create. And uh, what will our responsibilities be? I don't know, but they're going to be big. And God is training us right now. So we need to be dealing with life as it is, learning the lessons that God has in store for us to learn in this life, growing, becoming responsible as children of God because he is going to use us. He's not training us for no reason. He's training us for a purpose and it has to do with our future. And it will take all the training we had in this first creation to fulfill our career in the second creation. And as the lesson teaches, if we take all the training, or if we keep a clear vision of our future career value to God, we'll endure and even enjoy the suffering and the testing that we're going through now. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. So this is kind of a proving ground for us, this life. 1 Peter 1 beginning in verse 6. Peter says, in this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer griefs in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So we all go through trials in this life. You know, some people are kind of surprised. They think, well, you know, once I become a Christian, everything's gonna be good. God's in charge, he's all powerful, he's all loving, so my life is gonna be a dream as a Christian. Well, that couldn't be further from the truth. It seems in some ways that once we become a Christian, we have more trials and more persecution You know, we have people who are making fun of us for being a Christian. They say that we're naive. We're believing in fairy tales. And for some reason, people put more pressure on us in our lives. You know, they say, okay, you're a Christian. Let's see you live up to it. And they're waiting for us to make a mistake so that they can criticize us and laugh at us. And there are just other trials that come out of the blue. Even Christians have health problems. We read through a prayer list every week. And like I said, in some cases, people start thinking, well, wait a minute now, if God is good and he loves me and he's all powerful, why am I having to go through all of this trouble in my life? Well, sometimes we bring trouble on ourselves unnecessarily, but. Sometimes God allows suffering to take place. There are deaths, there are sicknesses, there are financial troubles of one sort or another. They're for a purpose. God is refining our faith. He's testing our faith. And what does that mean? Our reliance on him. Believe me, God does not expect us to solve all of our problems. We can solve the ones that we can, But there are problems that we're going to run into that are just too overwhelming for us. So we need to learn to rely on God, to look to him, okay? And that's what he desires for us. So we're being tested. Verse seven, he says, these trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And he says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you many, many millennia ago, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing. When he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves by giving their prophecies. They weren't even going to understand them. They were not serving themselves, but you. They were serving you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So we all have a very special calling from God. And we're going through a training period now for the future. God has big plans for you in the future. He can't even explain them all because we wouldn't even understand them. But we're being trained. God is refining our faith. He's perfecting our faith in Him because that faith will be used for all eternity. We're learning to rely on God now because we will rely on God forever. Let's turn to Philippians 3. So sometimes we question the trials that we have to go to, go through rather, the trials that seem to come out of the blue sometimes. What's the purpose? Why is God making us suffer, if you will? It's not his intent that we suffer, it's his intent that we learn to rely more heavily on him, to get to know him better, and he'll help us. Paul once again says in Philippians 3.12, Not that I have already obtained all this, you know, this future that God has in store for us, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So you see, that's what we have to do as Christians today. Our vision, our goal is that future, the second creation. When we are changed, when we we become eternal, we become glorified, we talked about that last week, and just what God is going to be doing and how we have been called to be a part of it, an integral part of it. I remember one Christian friend I had years ago, he was an elderly guy. And uh, he enjoyed being a greeter, and he opened the door for everybody as they were coming into church. He says, I don't know what I'm going to do in God's kingdom. I'll be a door opener if he wants me to. I just want to be there. And I said, buddy, you're going to be a lot more than a door opener in the kingdom of God, in the new creation. God has something far greater for you. So that's what Paul had, and he was encouraging the, the church at Philippi to keep your vision of the future. Why are we going through all this? Why am I suffering so much? I may not fully understand, but I know it's serving a purpose. God is preparing me for the job, for the career he's got for me in the future, in that second creation. He says in verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature, and I'm speaking to a mature audience here today, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. So we're facing tests in life today. We cannot pass these tests alone, but we have a God that offers to help us and he gives us a guarantee that we will pass. See, that's something that the professor teaching PhD students couldn't do. He provided tests for them and trials for them to go through, but he couldn't guarantee that they would attain their PhD. But you see, we have a God who guarantees. We know that our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ because we're not saved by our efforts, we're saved by grace. So God looks at us as already being in that second creation. We're already there. And he has particular roles already planned for us, for our eternal careers with him, and whatever he's got planned, and I'm sure that there's plenty. We got a whole universe outside of this earth, and that's not there for naught. God has plans and purposes so we're straining toward what is ahead and forgetting about the past one final scripture second corinthians 4. uh a bit of encouragement that we get here at the end of the message second corinthians 4 beginning in verse 16. so all that said we know now why we're going through trials We don't blame God for our trials. We're like an eager student who is excited about trials. Scripture says we should have joy in trials because we know that we're a part of that training and through God's grace, we're making progress. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. So one thing to get depressed about is getting older, isn't it? <laughs> Every morning, it's a, it's a uh, triumph to just get out of bed, <laughs> to stand up, to start a new day, okay? And the heart is still beating and I'm still breathing and my body is supporting me, you know, by means of gravity and what, a, what other way? That's a success. God created this universe and this earth to decay. You realize that? From the day he created it, it started to decay. In fact, one of the laws of thermodynamics talks about that. And I can't remember the exact word that describes it, but it's decaying. Our human bodies from the time we're born begin to decay because God didn't intend this first creation to last forever. It's not its purpose, it's temporary. It's the next creation that is going to last forever. That's why when you read some prophecies like the book of Revelation and the book of Ezekiel, it describes this new creation in a strange way. Maybe buildings that are so huge we can't comprehend that. What does God mean by that? And a a new uh, tree of life, we don't understand it. That's going to be the permanent creation. That's going to be the lasting creation. That's the creation that we're going to be changed. See, flesh and blood can't enter the kingdom of God, God, uh, Jesus told Nicodemus. You have to be born again. You have to be changed. You have to be glorified. That's our future. That's what God has in store for us to be a part of that kingdom, that uh, new creation. Let's read on here in 2 Corinthians 4. He says in verse 17, so our bodies are wasting away, they're falling apart, it was meant to be that way, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So physical death, but spiritual growth. Spiritual development on the inside, that's what God looks at. We focus on the outside, the pain, the aches of the body falling apart. God intended it to be that way. This physical life isn't forever, it's the next life that is forever. So he says in verse 17, "...for our light and and momentary troubles..." Well, we think sometimes our troubles are heavy and they're lasting a long time and they're not going away. He says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do now? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, on that future creation, the new creation, the second creation, and what our life is gonna be like then. You know, on your darkest day, when you're in the most pain, you can't even get out of bed, you think about that future time and what that life is going to be and that career that God has in store for you and how challenging and exciting it's going to be and how God is now training you for those responsibilities. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So why is there so much suffering in this world? Why is there so much suffering in our lives? It's for a purpose. Not because God likes to see suffering, he doesn't. He's creating a world and a universe where there's no longer, no longer going to be any suffering. No hurts, no death, no sin. Can you imagine that? A world with no sin. We can't imagine what that's going to be like, but it's, we've got God's word on it. And we have the privilege through Jesus Christ to have a part in it. we going to be co-heirs with Jesus Christ and working with him for all eternity with greater goals and plans that we can even imagine. That's what God has in store for us. So a word of encouragement during a life of trial and suffering. And God's word provides that for us. So Lord, help us to focus on the future because it's going to be great. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the words today, for the scriptures, the inspired scriptures. And uh, help us to know what makes us different from the people who don't know you. We pray for them because we know that you want all to be saved. Father, whatever we can do in the meantime, by the lives that we live, the humble Christian lives, by the words of encouragement we can give to others, uh, help us. Give us the strength to do that, Father, and, and help us to remember the hope that you've placed in us, that this life is only temporary and a much, much greater life and experience lies ahead. And as the scripture says, you guarantee that for us. It's a sure thing, our name is already there, our name is written in the book of life. We are guaranteed by your grace to be a part of that. And we will thank you eternally for all that you've bestowed on us that we know we're undeserving of, but yet by your grace and love, you're going to give that to us, a crown of righteousness. Thank you, Father. And we pray this now in Jesus Christ's name, amen.